to episode 18 of the Orla Clara podcast. We are nearing the end of season one. Just two more episodes to go and then we're all wrapped up for 2021. So yeah, if you've been here from the start, thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode in particular where I talk to Richard Bailey of PR Place, PR Studies and PR Academy who is a lecturer in Leeds Beckett University. Uh, Richard organises the PR Creators Awards, used to be the PR Student Awards that I previously took part in and won. Um, So yeah, we talk about the competition, the benefits of being in the competition, why it can help your career, can help you time university. Overall, it just adds to everything within your prospects, career-wise and university-wise. So I always, always recommend it every year. So this is why I wanted to get Richard on the podcast to talk about it and kind of go more in depth about the competition and to encourage more people to get involved and start creating content, whether it's videos, whether it's blog posts, YouTube, TikTok, anything of the sort. Um, So yeah, just hope you enjoy this. Hope you find out a lot of information about the Creator Awards and I hope it inspires you to take part. So thanks Richard for coming on to the podcast and talking about the new Creators Awards for PR students. Um, As a past participant myself, I would just like to talk about the competition and kind of how it benefits students and kind of your role in it as well and why you started it and the background of it so just to kind of start us off do you want to tell everybody who you are and what you do? Well I describe myself as a public relations educator and editor so those two roles I'm a part-time university lecturer that's the educator role the editor I edit a website in which we do this this weekly um, PR student competition that we're going to go on and talk about. Fab. And then just to talk about the PR competition, so now I call the Student Creator Awards. Just give me some background, you know, why it started, the history of the awards and how long it's been running for. Well, very quick history lesson, because I'm old and I can remember all of this. I started a blog about public relations 20 years ago, 2001. Okay, how boring is that? Yet another blog. Well, I was one of three people in the English-speaking world blogging about public relations back then. I can be so precise that I can even tell you that Tom Murphy was one, an Irishman from Dublin who now works for Microsoft and lives in Seattle. Um, And we were the first people in the world to be doing this. And so we were a small community. So I have a 20 year pedigree blogging about public relations. Probably the next milestone was in 2010. So fast forward 10 years. And I was talking to the European boss of the world's biggest public relations consultancy, Edelman. And at the end of the conversation, I just dropped in the name of a graduate that they'd recruited, one of of our graduates from my university. And I was expecting the boss not even to have heard of the new grad recruit. Instead, what he said was jaw-dropping to me. His reply, ah, yes, Ben, mentioning the students, we'd been tracking him for some time. That was 2010. That was, you know, very early on in the days of social media. The world's biggest public relations consultancy had the resource, had the motivation to track an undergraduate student at Leeds then Metropolitan University. Then I realized this is big. 
this is game changing. You don't have to wait to apply for vacancies anymore. <laughs> you need to make yourself, you need to make employers aware. You don't, you know, so the game was beginning to change. And then 11 years on from that, the game seriously has changed. Can I give you one anecdote I learned today? Again, an amazing anecdote. This is from a Newcastle MA student who was in the contest last year, um, young man Piotr from Poland, studying at Newcastle, and he wrote a well-researched blog post about ad fraud, about the fact that ad numbers are inflated, a lot of them are bots, are kind of fake websites, um, as a commercial scam, really. He did that. He got a message directly from the CEO of a Silicon Valley business. And the subsequent follow-up from this Silicon Valley business was come and work for us. And that was last year. That was just a one-off blog by one student studying our subject in a university in the UK was being picked up by the CEO of a Silicon Valley business. So, you know, that 2010 anecdote about Edelman, fast forward, it's happening on an even bigger international scale. Yeah, because you mentioned then about personal brand, and that's, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in recent years that because of social media, you do have to make yourself, you know, stand out and create this persona of yourself online in like the business world. So like not just your own personal social media pages, but you need to have the professional pages and be talking to people so they know who you are even before you graduate, which is crazy in itself, but the way it is today. And I might have mentioned you more than once today, Orla. Um, and I'm going to tell you now the two things that, that stand out from you, because they're probably not things you've even remembered telling me or things that you wouldn't think that would stand out. The two things I've mentioned today was one as one, the regime, the, 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 the schedule you had for posting blogs that you told me about the one time we actually met face to face in Liverpool. And I remember that you said you waited till after midnight. The world was gone quiet. That was your writing time. I don't know, midnight till one in the morning or whenever. Then the second thing you told me is that you didn't publish at one in the morning. You saved to drafts and you emailed your father, your dad in Northern Ireland to say, hey, can you give this a once over? And only when you got the feedback back from <laughs> the trusted adult, if you like, your dad, and I, I thought that was so sophisticated, way more sophisticated than I have been able to manage in a longer career than yours. And I've been a journalist, I've been an editor, I've been a guidebook writer. You know, I have a pretty good track record. But your level of, you know, sophisticated process was admirable. So that's anecdote number one I used talking about you. Anecdote number two, the fact that still to this day, you do your monthly books I've read this month. Now, they're typically not books I've read. They're typically not books I would want to read. All right. I'm old. I'm male. I'm a historian. You're much younger. You're female. You're interested in, in fiction. All right. We, we live in different worlds. We read different things. But just the fact that still in our digital online world of Twitter and TikTok, you still put in those hours turning pages of books is the other thing that really stands out to me. And, and I think well to others as well. 
And as someone commented in one of the calls today, how else do people think they're going to get skilled as writers if they first don't put in the time as a reader? Yeah, no big time. I think even recently people have kind of commented there's been like an upsurge, I think because of even social media like TikTok and Instagram where books have kind of come back trendy-ish, if even that's a thing. Like um, you go into a bookstore now and there's a section like books that are loved on TikTok and like they're kind of getting in on the action. And there is, I think it was even lockdown might have inspired. Everybody started reading because there wasn't really anything else to do to occupy your time other than watch TV. So reading really took off again and that's where I kind of fell back into reading so much. And Sally Rooney has done spectacularly well um, and again you know young Irish woman who straddles popular literature and and you know quite highbrow literature as well doesn't she? She's really smart. Yeah because she's like an interesting writer in the fact that like she doesn't use quotation marks she does a different style of writing it's very modern I would say but there's no real plot as such in her books. It's more about the actual, the writing, the characters. You, you feel more about the characters than the actual storyline, which is what her whole intention is, but it's quite good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think reading has really obviously took off again, but mm. I don't. You, you can't write about something if you don't read other people's work to be inspired because it always, I had to always read articles and Twitter and it would always take me to see something that I like disagreed with or that I had an opinion on because somebody else had an opinion on it. Then that would drive me to write something about it. Listeners, please hear what Orla is saying. Ignore <laughs> me. Listen to Orla. <laughs> no, you're too kind. But then going back to the competition then. Um, so years in the past, is there anybody who stands out to you that you remember and that goes on to do kind of great things and what they've kind of achieved from blogging and things? Well, I think I involved you in this. I think what I did in the summer was we, we, we revisited all the past winners and shared a little interview with them and, and profiles of them. And I mean, you stand out because you're the only person who's won two years running, all right? And actually you were shortlisted in your second year as well and arguably could or maybe should have won or perhaps you and, you and um, Marcel might have won together. But, you know, I... I get to do the contest. I sometimes give someone else the task of picking a winner, but that's fine. Water under the bridge. So you stood out, but actually people's stories are really interesting. So this contest has been run since 2014. So that's eight years now we've had winners. Um, what I noticed about the winners, they've all, they're all female. They were all undergrads. So we've never had a man. We've never had a postgrad winner. We've had plenty of people in the contest. Maybe that's just because of the, the the way the academic year is scheduled. MA students maybe start or gear up later in the year. I don't know. It's the way it goes. Um, but let's just take Jess Ramsey then, who won in 2014, the first time we ever did it. And it was a much smaller thing. There, were, there, there was perhaps less competition then. But she's a classic example of someone who did go straight into public relations. She's stayed in public relations and what happens is if you graduate, say, age 21 and it's seven or eight years, you're in your late 20s, you're pretty close to peak career. <laughs> you know, th there's a risk that's bad news for people in that these careers are often not as long as they should be. Right? People don't get one job in their 20s and last till their 60s. Um, Ola, you're an example of someone who's moving way more often. I'm really interested in that. But Jess Ramsey 
account director, Tangerine PR from memory in Manchester, really good regional um, public relations agency. And, and, you know, classic example of someone who's, who's who hit the ground running and has, has moved really sweetly through. I think another couple of examples, or one I'll take you is Livy Wilkes from Solent University in Southampton, who won one year. She's now Livy Crawford. So again, that tells you something of people's lifestyles, you know, particularly women in the 20s, may marry, may, marry, may change their name, um, may have children. When I contacted Livy, she was heavily pregnant. The, the, the day we published her piece, I think she was about a week into motherhood. So and she's having a great career in public relations, but it's now time for a, a break, maternity leave. Um, I guess she, she'll pick up afterwards and, and many women do that successfully. But my point is that everyone is unique and everyone has a different path. So there is no one template, really. There is no one size fits all. And again, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit from you, but it, maybe we should have this chat offline about your moves because you move very often and that may be a brilliant move. It's probably the best move in your 20s. Don't get stuck. Build your experience, build a breadth of experience. Yeah. In order to achieve and hit a plateau maybe in your 30s or 30s and 40s. That's probably the best way to do it. I didn't start in public relations till I was 29, um, but I'd been a school teacher. I'd been a writer, I'd been an editor. I'd been a journalist um, through my 20s. And that's a lot of, now I look back, oh, I've been a typesetter. <laughs> really, very publisher, really strange, varied things. And all of those things have proved really useful in my subsequent career in public relations and in education. So I do think build a breadth of experience in your 20s and really hit your stride in your 30s and onwards. Yeah, I think when doing the blog, like creating the blog, and it was my kind of intention, it was going into my second year at uni, and I was thinking about placement years and like how I was going to differentiate myself from everybody else going into looking for placement. And I think I just created it and got obviously really, really into it. But then I ended up being the first in my whole university to get a placement position in my second year because I had the initiative, I went and made the blog, and it did obviously make me stand out a lot more than anybody else. But then if you were like to say to someone, oh, why, or someone asked you, why would I start a blog or why would I start doing posting videos on TikTok or on Instagram about what I'm studying? Like, what would your advice be around how that's going to help them in their career, help them in their university course, help them in life, basically? Well, I'm going a different way at your question, because you've made me think that there are two approaches to life. And it's, it's about life. It isn't about careers. It's about life in general. You can either um, be in the middle of the crowd. You can be a sheep or you can be an outlier. You can be the sheep dog, if you like. Um, and I think it's very tempting, particularly for young people, to be the sheep, to be in the crowd, to be exactly like everyone around them. All right, to surround themselves by like minded people, not to stand out. By the way, university rewards people who are quite you know, neat fit the box you know not not you know quite quite mainstream all right university rewards that I think life probably rewards people who are outliers they do a thing early they do a thing first 
they do a thing that other people haven't done, right? You know, the kind of more entrepreneurial spirit, the risk takers. And of course, that leads to more failure because you're a risk taker. Some things aren't going to come off. But actually, no entrepreneur has ever succeeded without a lot of failure first. And I'm slightly worried to be self-critical. I think universities too good at producing nice, you know, two one or first class grads who kind of do follow the rules, basically do what the lecturers tell them to do, follow the marking criteria and they get their grades. But that's not a great predictor for what you need to do in life, because you've got to have a bit of something about you. You've got to be able to stand up for yourself. <laughs> you've got to be able to speak up for yourself. You've got to be able to push back at people. I mean, you know, again, this 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 dynamic. Um, if you're a 20 something woman in public relations, your clients are probably going to be 50 something men in suits. All right. And you must not be a shrinking violet. You must not think, oh, I'm a young female. I can't venture an opinion. They're the older man. They must be right. You've got to go in thinking, well, how can these people get it so wrong? You know, these people are the people who've been running Yorkshire County Cricket Club. How can they have been getting it so wrong? They needed someone young, someone who could see the wider context. This is this is a racism story, as you'll know. They needed someone who could see that this is not something you can keep quiet within the institution, that you can sweep under the carpet, that you can be the wallflower and not say boo to a goose. They actually needed somebody you know, an outsider operating inside. They needed an outlier. They needed a sheepdog, not a sheep. Sorry about the rants. <laughs> no, I totally agree. So how would a blog or taking part in the competition then set people apart um, from, you know, their other students or get them ahead then in career? Because very simply, you've got to find out about yourself. You've got to learn about yourself. You've got to work out your interests. You've also got to work out your boundaries. Again, you know, I, I, I'm only revealing what she has revealed in public. So the person who followed you and stood out last year from Liverpool, John Moores, Megan Laura Harris, I mean, she was she was doing a really nice blog and she was talking about her placement at a golf course in North Wales. And it was interesting. But when she started talking about a really unpleasant medical condition, she and many women suffer from endometriosis. Her blog got absolutely outstanding. And that is a big thing to say, you know, that I'm going to declare my medical history, my, my something very deeply personal about me in public. That's bold. I wouldn't do that, but I'm not that bold. She did. And she turned a good blog into a really exceptional blog. So she learned about herself. She learned about the amount she was willing to share. And we have a, another Liverpool John Moore student who's doing really well in the early weeks of this contest. And again, you know, she's like you, she reminds me of you a bit, taking pictures of herself standing by the um, waterfront buildings in Liverpool and talking quite a lot in her case about um, managing depression. And, and actually she's getting a good response from that because it resonates particularly with her generation. So I think it helps you stand out because it helps you learn about yourself first. Second, you've got to find things to write about or talk about or create about. And that means tuning into 
the news agenda? You know, is it the climate agenda? Is it racism? Is it equality? Is it feminism? You know, what are those topics that that individual wants to get fired up about? So in a way, you, you need to become a campaigner. You need to become an advocate, which, of course, is a part of public relations. So I think you're learning about yourself. You're then finding topics of interest that you think might resonate with an audience. And then you have to have a well-researched, distinctive view. And you have to write about it and communicate your interest in a very lucid, fluent way. So, yeah, if, if you can do all those things, why wouldn't an employer snap you up? Because what else is there in your first five or 10 years in a public relations job than finding topics of general interest, researching them rigorously, communicating them with clarity, you know, on behalf of interests that you're advocating. I've described public relations. <laughs> then going on to my next question, the term PR in general, so if I was to go and study public relations, do you think like in today's world, especially when you have you know, companies that are dedicated solely to digital PR and now you have influencer marketing, um, which all of these things are kind of strands of public relations. So I don't know, is it like plausible to go to university now and just study the general term public relations? Or do you think it'll evolve into here's a course in digital PR, here's a course in influencer marketing? Or, you know, even the question, does influencer marketing fall under PR or does it fall under marketing, which is people are still trying to figure that out where does it actually fall under because I don't even know well I think your question is brilliant I mean your question had me flummoxed and the question's brilliant my route to answering it goes in the opposite direction to you I don't think public relations is broad enough I think it's already slightly too narrow it isn't quite appealing enough to the 17-year-olds, remember, who are choosing university degree courses. What is this thing? They've not studied it at GCSE, not studied it at A-level. Why would they back this subject they've never studied? So I wouldn't go narrower. I'd go broader. I think what we need to be doing, and it's self-critical because I should have been doing it for 10 years, what we need to be doing is recruiting people and giving them a bit of journalism, giving them a bit of marketing, giving them a bit of business, giving them probably more politics than they would want, all right? And a little bit of sociology and also some public relations because public relations touches on all those things, business, politics, sociology, um, marketing. So I think we equip, it's the American approach, isn't it? The US approach, you know, we, we, we equip undergrads with a greater breadth and later on, maybe they can come back and specialize. The other response I had to, to, to the question you asked, because it's a really good one, is, is it, does it need to be narrower? Students go to university to study medicine, don't they? Thinking that they, they, they will end up as a doctor. And most will end up as doctors, some, some might not, they might have a change of heart, but they, they study medicine. Now, at the point they apply to study medicine, they're thinking, I wanna be a doctor, but they haven't decided whether they wanna be a general practitioner, or whether they want to be a heart surgeon, or whether they want to be a paediatrician. You know, the specialism must come later once you've developed the general skill. So, no, I think we have to start general. And I think our problem is we're being a little bit exclusive by calling 
our subject, public relations, because actually it's way more interesting than that sounds, because it is so many of these other things. And the kind of people we need in public relations are able to have a conversation about, like you can, about Liverpool Football Club, like about the latest band you've seen, like about probably what's going on in US politics. And if someone can have a conversation around that range of topics, they're going to be really good in public relations. But if people can only talk about one thing, fashion, (laughs) say, sport, say, um, they're probably not going to do that well in public relations. They need a breadth before they acquire a depth of expertise. Yeah, no, I completely agree, actually, because I think my course was business and public relations. So we had we learned about human uh, resources, marketing, as well as all the business side of things. And I think it also kind of gave you the opportunity to go and do work experience in the different kind of realms of public relations. So like, I worked in the internal communications, management, um, I don't even know what else, but just PR internships in general. So now I'm on to influencer marketing, but it allows you to go and see what you like, what you don't like, even though it is all in the one, basically the same sector, but you can then go and specialize in something that you actually do really, really like within that industry. Um, so yeah, I actually would agree that studying the broader scope of things then allows you to see what you like and what you're, what you're, what you're good at as well. So then for the Student Creator Awards, then how would someone get involved? They would create some content on social media. And frankly, who doesn't if you're a student? You cre- but of course, I'm not interested in all your content, not interested in all your Instagram photographs. It's not a beauty contest. It's not, oh, look who looks better in a bikini. That's not, you know, I'm interested in content that speaks to you as a public relations student. So, and I think the way you get involved is really simple. You tag the content that you think might be interesting to me. You tag it with hashtag PR student. And you can tag it on Twitter. You can tag it on LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram. I haven't had much um, value out of YouTube, but I occasionally check that as well. So you create the content where you create the content and I'll follow you. But I can only find you if A, you've tagged it or B, you've told me, (laughs) you've followed my Twitter accounts and you've mentioned me when you, you do the post. So you're having to do a little bit of public relations. And again, this is true of digital marketing. It's true of digital PR. Um, it isn't enough to create wonderful content because actually who's going to see it? <laughs> Who cares? All right. You know, there's lots of stuff. All right. Who's going to notice? So you do have to think about the, you know, the post publishing uh, promotional bit, which is again, you know, a traditional part of public relations. How are you going to let people know? And I think what's nice, and I've heard it today from people who've been on my list, you know, and you probably did all a bit more than others, they get a buzz out of being mentioned on Friday, being selected, because, you know, it does get competitive. Early weeks, it's kind of easy to get featured because I'm not overwhelmed by choice, but I, you know, but I'll limit the size of it. Later weeks, it gets bigger. And then I have to be quite ruthless in in, um, selecting who's in and who's out. But people get a buzz out of it because they suddenly realise, oh, somebody cares about the content. Someone's reading it. Um, 
because you know we don't know we you can feel a little bit mad can't you particularly in lockdown you're sitting behind your screen you're typing these words you're sharing on social media and frankly nobody cares um and what we've learned from like the facebook scandals is nobody cares because you know we're not seeking discord we're not having a rant we're being students we're being interested in things we're public relations students so we're seeking the opposite of disagreement we're seeking agreement or consensus or and actually none of that stuff resonates on social media is it in a world where you know it's the anti-vaxxers that get all the attention or it's the donald trump that gets all the attention you know what seems to work is the rant not the reason um so you know by doing it we're learning lessons in social media algorithms we're learning lessons in how the system works what kind of content resonates with different groups of people oh and there's no you know and you've worked in influence marketing people pretend it's a science no it isn't going viral ain't a science it is still it's still far too random for that isn't it yeah you can't make something go viral at all there's no no, no science there's no science <laughs> yeah, I think we're touching on like the you know getting the hits and being seen. Like there are those people that will do things that are controversial just to be controversial and to get the headlines. And but then you have to bring in like your morals. Like, do you want to be famous or do you want to be a good person? Like, you have to draw the line somewhere and say, what would you rather? You know, be what would you want to be known for in the long term? Yeah, I saw you appalled by, you know, the latest egregious example of, of influence, of bad taste. Was it the woman posing by her father in a casket? Yeah. And I saw you were shocked by that. Um, I'm not bothered by that in itself, but I note the reaction. And so it must have been a willful, this will get me attention. <laughs> yeah, because why else would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know attention isn't everything is it it's it's a sort of you know so perhaps mine is an unpopularity contest you know it's unpopular blogging is unpopular you know writing is unpopular compared to so there's an element of unpopularity in what we're doing but so it's a bit niche (laughs) yeah but if someone entered and you know was hoping to do well, what would your advice be to someone that what what would be the best way to succeed in the competition? I think I put it in three words earlier. What were those words? The first was consistency. So again, back to you. Once people realize mine is a weekly contest, if it matters to them to appear every week, they know that I do this thing on Friday morning. So, you know. Don't schedule your weekly blog post till midnight on Thursday, because you know what? I just may not, you know, I need a bit of sleep, not much, but a bit. So the people who do the weekly blog, and I bet you rumbled this system because you're smart, Orla. You know, people who publish maybe once a week regularly on Tuesday or Wednesday, frankly, they're in the driving seat because I've got time to note it, to get it in my drafts. And of course, I'll add new things when I can later. But So consistency. Oh, the other point about consistency isn't just about timing. It's about voice. It's about expectations. It's about tone. There's a a lovely postgrad student at London College of Communication posting TikToks and they're all day in her life. And her life's a bit like yours has been in New York or London. She does about as much in a day as I would expect to do socially in a year. 
it's kind of lunch appointment, breakfast, lunch, you know, the odd class here or there, um, a bumble date to, you know, and then a chat with her friend. I mean, it's just each day is a little mini movie. And of course, it's TikTok, so it's 60 seconds. And it's just brilliant because there's a consistency, there's an aesthetic to, to the way she presents these. So consistency um, is, is, I think, probably the most important. I think curiosity is another really, really big one. You know, pick a topic. You know, it might be ad fraud, like the example I gave. It might be um, literature, like, like your example. Find a topic that demonstrates that you're a curious human being, because that's that's the best way to parade your talents to employers. Because um, all employers want is to hire people capable of learning in future. <laughs> so, you know, they don't really care, frankly, if you got a first class degree or a second class degree, because that only says that you were able, you were capable of learning in the past, when, when frankly, there wasn't as much pressure on you. So, Curiosity is what employers want to see and how better to do that than exploring your interests. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, but to go off on what you said about employers and employability afterwards, um, as you've seen, a lot of people go through university and graduate and go on to have amazing careers. The people that you've seen, you know, really succeed and do really, really well. What did you note that kind of set them apart or what, why do you think they have been able to be so successful? Define success. Um, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Um, you know, for some people, it's it's being a director of corporate comms for a FTSE 100 company. I've, we have grads who are that. Um, so that is that is you know, that's huge. Those are big salaries. Boy, big pressure jobs. So that's success. I think being yourself in life is a huge achievement. That's success. I'll give you one anecdote because I think. I can also predict it reasonably early. This is the only way I'm going to big myself up. You know, I'm teaching people a first, second year, third year undergrads. And I can kind of know by second year somehow who's got it. And it's just something about personality as much as anything. Anyway, there's, there's, there's someone I remember from 11 years ago. She reminds me. We met for lunch the other week because I've encouraged her to come back to our university and do some lecturing. She'd spent 10 years working in really senior hospitality jobs in Dubai, you know, Jumeirah Hotel Group, QE2, you know, really big um, marketing and PR jobs in the Gulf. 10 years out there, she's come back to the UK and leapt at the chance to come and teach. Um, and she's thrilled to be teaching students at her old university. And I'm delighted to have her around now, of course, it's we hadn't met for over 10 years, but of course, through social media, I'd, I'd kept in contact. I'd watched her career, but I somehow knew from remembering her as a second year undergrad that she'd have the personality to succeed. She'd also have the personality to be a great person in a class of, frankly, often quite bored second year students. You know, what do you got for me? So her story is about, you know, silencing celebrities in the middle of the night in Dubai are quite eye-opening. Um, she's great, but I'm saying that I kind of spotted she was great when she was a second-year undergrad, so it doesn't surprise me. Oh, and define success. She's had a great career. Um, 
but you know, it's at a price. She's been out of the UK. I think she's missed that to some extent. Dubai is that sort of dream part of the world that isn't a dream when you really get to know it. <laughs> you know, freedoms are not what we would expect. Um, but I think she's been successful, but she's really happy to be involved in lecturing now. Amazing. It's like a well-rounded story, you know, going from university out there, having your career and then coming back again. It's really, really nice. It's great. It's great. Um, yeah. So in terms of the competition then, so uh, best place to look would be on Twitter and the hashtag PR student or on the PR, PR Academy, PR Studies website. Yeah. Um, so the at PR place Twitter name is where it mostly happens. And I keep an eye on hashtag PR student. So that's how to get involved. So look every Friday morning, scroll down to the bottom of my weekly entry. It's called This Week in PR. Now, take an interest in what goes before. Oh, Ola, you're in tomorrow morning because um, your piece about the Mountbatten Scholarship, I think, you know, speaks to students. So, you know, we'll include you there. So I do this weekly roundup. It's, you know, things that I've noticed from the week, people that I think have got interesting things to say. Um, so they're, you know, they're, they're well-known people, they're smart people. And at the bottom of that, we have a selection of students. And the point is, those students can have conversations with those practitioners. And you'll know Sophie Smith, or you'll remember her from our end of year event. You know, she got, she got hired by Stephen Waddington um, because she was blogging and he got to know her. And she's then followed that up and she's now working on the back of contacts she made through that. So that's pretty good, isn't it? A student um, making contact with someone who's, you know, among the best known people or perhaps the single best known person there is in our industry in the UK. That's great. That's not kind of like work your way up. That's go straight to someone very well known who can support you on your journey. And I don't think there are big barriers. And she was making the point that people in our industry are really open. They're really willing to help. Um, but they need to know who you are first, <laughs> don't they? We are none of us going to accept LinkedIn requests from strangers. So how do you turn a stranger into a friend? How do you turn friends into allies? Um, and that, again, is public relations. And that's all part of what we're trying to build here. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Because I think the one of the best parts that came with the blogging and you know, saying building that personal brand that you need to have. And like Sophie Smith has done so, so well, building that personal brand for herself. But it comes a lot from networking. And I think from being around that group of people on Twitter and just interacting with people about what they're writing or what they're up to. Like, say, for example, Scott Guthrie is probably one of the best or one of the biggest names in influencer marketing. And from me, just met, like replying his in or his blog posts or his thoughts on the industry. And then that created like a network for me. And now he's like one of the mentors that I would have in the influencer marketing industry, all from having the blog, reading your updates on a Friday, and then just kind of getting involved and reaching out to these people because they are so open and want to hear from people that are aspiring into that same industry as well. But that's a really good example because that goes two ways. Scott is great. I mean, he's really, really expert. But I remember speaking to him about you and he has a lot of respect for you. So it goes both ways. Um, people are open, they will give time to people, but, you know, nobody wants to give time to time wasters. So, you know, it's a mutual respect thing, isn't it? 
I will take your time, but I promise I won't waste your time. And of course, if people aren't time wasters, you know, we're willing to give more time to them. Um, but but you've kind of got to be known <laughs> to begin with. You've got to start somewhere. Um, and we're talking about the ways you get known in this community. I think you mentioned Twitter. It doesn't look very interesting to a student, does it? It's mainly words, short words, inexplicable grammar of how you communicate. Um, but it's worth persevering because it is where everyone in the media industry, most people in public relations are communicating. And it's your best chance of getting into a conversation with them. You can't get into a conversation with a stranger on LinkedIn. You do not have permission. You can't get into a conversation with a stranger on the bus. You do not have permission. You know, it's the same rule, really. Um, so you've got to find ways of getting known or making yourself known to people. And probably the best way I can, I've come up with is this idea that you get known as someone who's producing interesting content that's worth following. <laughs> Be more like Orla is my <laughs> advice. Oh, well, Richard, thanks so much for your time and going through the Creators Programme. Um, and hopefully we've inspired a few other people to contribute and take part this year. So thanks again for your time. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Orla Clare podcast. If you want to find out more about the PR Student Creator Awards, check out the hashtag PR Student on Twitter, check out PR Place on Twitter and PR Academy website every Friday. If you want to get in contact with me, check out Instagram at Orla Clare, my website www.orlaclare.com or on Twitter at Orla Shanks PR. And see you next episode.